Father and our God, indeed, unto you do we come this morning. Father, we need you this moment, more than at any other time in history. We do not just need you for the hour, but for every second and every minute. Lord, this moment we still need you. Speak through me, O Lord, that we all might be blessed. And that we may have a greater understanding that of a truth we need you. To your praise and glory. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Shall we be seated? The topic before us this morning says, Beware of abutters of revival. Once you hear beware, it means that somewhere around the corner, there must be danger lurking around. Beware of abutters of revival. The doctrine of Balaam. Praise the Lord. So this morning, basically, we will be talking about or rather looking at the, the doctrine of Balaam and how it is able to abort revival. There are many abortors of revival, as you can see in that topic. But we are looking at the doctrine of Balaam. So we'll be looking at Balaam. And then we'll also be wondering and asking ourselves, not really wondering, but we'll be asking ourselves, am I Balaam? Praise the Lord. And we will also take note of the areas we need to take note of so that we will not fall into the enticement of Balaam. Praise the Lord. It is important because, as we already know, we are in the mood of revival. In fact, the truth is that if this revival, that is our theme for the year, were to be a car, for those people who have driven manual before, by now we are in gear four. So we have not just started, we are, we are, we are already in the, the revival has started in our midst. So if some of you are still waiting for it to start, then the boss has already left you. May the Lord boss not leave you in the name of Jesus. So revival is usually a process. It is a process. It is like a journey. And I tell you the truth. Ultimately, even though the year will come and end, our theme for the year will also end. Nevertheless, revival actually continues. The moment any Christian ceases to request or desire for revival, that means the Christian, is, the person is already finished. So we must continue, even after the year, to seek for revival until the Lord comes. Praise the Lord. I mean, we know the story of Zacchaeus how he was revived. For him, it was also a process. There were a lot of hurdles to overcome. The crowd, his height, his resources, many things. Praise the Lord. And then we also know the story of the dry bones. You know, the bones came together, flesh came upon them. Joints, nerves, arteries, and then the breath of life. It is a process. Praise the Lord. The timing of this topic 
is very important. Please, can I get a program, a yellow pro- a church program? Is it here? Do we have any here? The timing is very, very important. I want to just show us briefly why the timing is very important. You know, if you remember, for this half of the year, July 5th, the topic was desire to experience revival. Following it, we had moving, into rev- moving forward into revival. Rebuilding the broken altars. Revival for revival fire came next. And then burden for revival. Then the message of God kept spreading. You know why I'm saying this? Because so that you don't think that revival has not started. And then we also had the message of God kept spreading. Then renewed obedience to the word of God. See then that you walk circumspectly. Profile of revivalist. Sacrificial giving attitude of a revived heart. Expectant hearts of God's station change into another man. Profile of revivalist. Be an Esther. And then today, it is beware of the abortors of revival. So of a truth, revival has started. And we need to beware of these abortors of revival. First of all, what is abortion? Abortion is the termination of anything that has already begun but has not come to an ultimate end. That's my own definition. Something that has begun, you intercept it at any point at all. So long as that thing has not come to its end, its fullness, you say there has been what? Abortion. I mean, those in medicine, they understand this very well. Very, very well. And we know that because it is a process Abortion can therefore occur at any particular point on that journey. And no wonder the people in ONG say there is first trimester, second trimester, and third trimester. So it could be at the beginning, it could be at the midpoint, and it could be towards the end. Abortion does not happen at the end, because at the end, you already already have what you are expecting. The child is already born. We are already in heaven. But it can happen towards the end. Praise the Lord. And you know, the people in medicine also tell us that, uh, well, I don't know if they say it directly, but when it is first trimester, they are very wary. At the beginning, they are very, very wary, very conscious, very alert. Ah, don't take this medication. Don't take that. Don't take that. In the second trimester, it looks like, well, okay, uh, baby is settled. You know, everything is expectedly going on normally. And then towards the end, the worry comes up again. The enemy comes up. The woman starts to dream. Oh, will this baby come to life? Will this happen? Will that happen? So it becomes another time of a lot of worry. Praise the Lord. And so for me, when I looked at this topic, it occurred to me that the most, I mean, two areas where we need to pay extreme attention to is at the beginning and at the end. More importantly. Well, let me not say more importantly but very importantly. Praise the Lord. Because the challenge with the beginning is that you are likely to begin to think, you know, I'm talking about the beginning now because some of us really, revival has not begun in us. The problem with the beginning is that many of us, we have the tendency to begin to feel that, hmm, am I really there? I gave my life to Christ today, but have I really got born again? You, you know, the devil keeps reminding you of your past deeds, even the one that happened yesterday. And so you begin to wonder, am I really there? Is it not better to go back to Egypt? We will go back to Egypt where we used to eat a lot of meat. 
even though we are suffering there, they were flogging us, beating us, we were slaves. But let us go back to Egypt because we don't know what the future holds in this revival. Following Christ, we don't know what the future holds. I mean, that's what uh, comes to mind. The mind of those who, who are worried at the beginning. They say, there is really nothing to lose now because I haven't gone far. I can turn back now, no. I mean, you are going to Lagos. You suddenly f- f- realize that you forgot your ATM card. You know, ATM cards have become so important in our generation. So maybe just at nine smile, you say, ah, no, I have to go back. I have to go back. Nothing to lose. I've not burnt a lot of fuel. Not much time has been wasted. And so the person goes back. That's the way it is also in our lives for those who are not careful at the beginning of their revival, of their becoming, of their being Christians. They have a tendency, a great tendency to go back. To have abortion occur at that very particular point in time. So they have fear. They have doubt. And, you know, God himself understands this. He, he knows about this very well. <laughs> so it doesn't surprise us that in Exodus chapter 13, when the children of Israel left Egypt, God himself said, look, I will not take them through the shorter route in the land of the, of the Philistines. I will not take them through that route. Because if they see war, they will do what? They will return back to Egypt. So that was part of the reason why the journey took a long time. So God decided to take them away from that. So that as the days went by, their confidence began to grow. Their confidence began to grow. And so if you are a new beginner, if you are a beginner, not a new beginner, if you are a beginner, you just got born again, you are just fresh in Christ. There is a route that you should not take. There is a company that you should not keep. Praise the Lord. And then the other point is the ending. The ending point. The problem with the ending, towards the ending, is that there is a tendency for us to become overconfident. We are overconfident. We feel that, oh, we are, I can almost touch it. I can almost touch it. Oh, glory, I can almost touch it. And the enemy knows this. <laughs> he knows that uh, at that point you are likely to be off guard because you think that you have already touched it. Oh, God had mercy on Moses. Moses was so, in fact, uh, God had so much mercy on Moses. Because he, he, it was as if he, he already felt he had touched it. But for the grace of God. Praise the Lord. And you know, the thing about an abortion that occurs at the towards the end, is that it is very painful. It is exceedingly painful because you have burnt fuel. You have spent time. You have sacrificed so much. It is so painful. Have you ever seen players in the field who five minutes, or rather two, two, two minutes to the end of a match, a goal is scored? How does it feel? They feel so horrible. People who are scored, as if they score against you in the five minutes of the starting, they usually don't cry at the end of the match. Just observe it. They usually don't cry because... Well, I wasn't really there in the first place. But those who felt that they had almost touched the trophy, and then they scored them a second to go, uh, they, are, they, are, they are unconsolable. People of God, that is the time that we are in now. We are towards the end. And that is the time that we should never allow the enemy to rob us, to, 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 to rob us of that which actually belongs to us. We can almost touch it, but it is not yet Uhuru. Praise the Lord. You know, the children of Israel, they, when they got to Kadesh Benaiah, 
Something happened there. Again, they disobeyed God. Felt that they were too small to enter Canaan. Felt that uh, the giants were there to hinder them. And so they didn't want to go in. And God was not happy with them. And he said, because of this, this journey that should have taken you from that place to that land would have taken you 40 days. Now it will take you 40 years. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But the trick of the devil, people of God, is that the devil wants to give you the impression that it is only the beginning and towards the end that matters. It is not true. That's the trick of the enemy. So you don't go home thinking that, okay, yes, I've passed the beginning stage. I'm now cruising. Every point in our journey to eternity, to revival, is very important. I must be taken as seriously as that. There are people of God, many potential abutters on our way to revival, on our journey to revival. For the Israelites, first of all, it was from the outside, an outside enemy. It was Pharaoh. Pharaoh refused. You will not be revived. You cannot get to that land that you are expecting to go to. You will not get there. He was an external enemy. And for others, it is just an internal thing. It is within you. You are the problem for yourself. For the children of Israel, it was food. Food was one of the things. Food. Food. Meat. Praise the Lord. And that's how some of us are too. And for others, it is fear. Just fear. Fear is the thing that is aborting the revival in you. Fear. You're worried. You're too afraid. More so in this period of COVID. You know, uh, it's a very, it's a very difficult time in history. People should write to for our children unborn about this season. Please write if you are good. If you, if you can write, we well, write to write because as we just began the revival this year, at the beginning, COVID came. COVID came to abort the revival. Why do I say that? Because our faith began to shake at that very point in time, and it got so bad, and perhaps it's still so bad. That the communion table that should be a place of healing hey, became a place of fear. The communion table became a place of fear. Christians began to weigh science versus faith. And yet they were weighing it like the, the ones you see in the courts, that statue you see in the courts, with their eyes open, as if they wanted science to win. Praise the Lord. There's a song that I like very much. We are the problem of ourselves. For some of us, it is also addiction. Addiction. It is pornography. If it is not pornography, it is gambling. If it is not gambling, it is Big Brother Niger. It is Z-World. You know, there's something I do in my house. Sometimes we will just say, for this month, we are not going to recharge our DSTV. Because I want the children to understand that we cannot live by... These things are not... The, this is not a must. That every, every day we, you will watch this. Every, for one month or two months, we'll just say, no DSTV. And we won't recharge it. Ask my wife. We do it regularly. Because we do not want to be slaves to these things. 
and the children must know it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And for others, what is that that is aborting the revival in us? It is brethren within. In other words, it is we. You have seen that this brother is being revived. He is getting to that point. You, I mean not you, but you, you will now want to abort the revival that has started in him. So it, is, it comes from within. You know, the other one, it was Pharaoh from the outside. This one now, it is brethren, family, wife, husband. The matter of wife and husband is a matter for another day. It's a matter for another day. But it is a matter that is very dear to my heart. Praise the Lord. And this is where we find Brother Balaam. Challenge from within. Why am I calling him Brother Balaam? You, you, you will soon see now. Can we look at Second Peter chapter 2? I mean, we had read it, but let me read it again. Chapter 2, I want to read verses 1 to 3. It says, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their destructive ways. Verse 3 says, By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. And if you go to verse 13, he says, And we receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure. And then he says, They do this while you feast with them. You know, for want of time, I'm just jumping. They do this while you feast with them. So, while you are relaxed, you think you are at home with your own. They strike. So, Balaam was a brother and don't think I'm talking about some external person or somebody who is far-fetched. The truth is that it, it, it could be you. It could be me that is the Balaam. I mean, God forbid that it is me. But you need to begin to ask yourself, am I the brother Balaam? That we are talking about? Because he was from within. Now, let's just, let's just um, say a few things about Balaam. I mean, if you remember, the story of Balaam is told in Numbers chapter 22. So the, the um, king of Moab, Balak, had invited him to please come and curse the Israelites so that he would be able to defeat them as the Israelites had left Egypt and they were on the journey to revival. Please come and curse them. You are from within. How is he from within? He was a servant, supposedly one who hears from God. You know, I'm, I'm wary to say servant of God. I, I don't know, but I mean, he was somebody who n- knew God, who could hear from God, who could listen to God. So he was a bro. Praise the Lord. But, you know, scripture records that God was angry with Balaam for the things that he did. We're just going to look at it very briefly. God was angry with Balaam. You know, for, for many years, I kept on wondering in my mind, why was God really angry with Balaam? Balaam said, look, you people should wait. Let me go. I will consult God. Whatever God says, I will come back and tell you. So why was God angry with Balaam? Can we just look at Numbers 22, verse 32? Numbers 22, 32. So that we will see why God was angry with Balaam. Are you there? 
Numbers 22.32, and it says, And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because of your, okay, because your way is pervers before me. And I began to look for the, the meaning of the word pervers. Pervers means that there is a laid down procedure for doing things, but you are doing it in another way. So there is a laid down procedure that every servant of God ought to behave, but Balaam was doing it in another way. So that is the reason why God was angry with him. And now we're going to begin to look at what he did the other way that he ought to have done the way God himself prescribed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want to read from Numbers 22, from verse 7, just for want of time. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee in their hand. So they were coming to Balaam with the diviner's fee in their hands. You know, once somebody is coming to you to, 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 to do something that you know you are receiving the strength for that thing from God directly, are you supposed to charge for it? Are you supposed to charge for it? Praise the Lord. You know, some time ago, somebody was telling me, I was discussing with someone, so he said, ah, if Emeka goes now, and Emeka, the organist, ah, when he goes now, what are we going to do? Maybe the church is now going to start hiring organist. And, and I told the person, it's, it's because you don't know Venerable. <laughs> it's because you don't know him. He would rather use his mouth to do keyboard than pay somebody to play the keyboard. And they will tell you, well, the gift of a man maketh way for him. The Bible is not saying that the gift of a man will bring money to you directly. It is going to make way for you because God will use that gift. Because of that gift and because of the way you have used the gift, God will bless you. Don't fill in the gap on how the blessing will come. I mean, it can come in financial terms, but it can also come from some other angles. So Emeka has gone, and today we have somebody else there playing the keyboard. Praise the Lord. And who knows, one day too, but we will always have somebody. Not because of us, but it is because it is God's work. So these men approached Balaam with the diviner's fee in their hand, ab initio. And they had it in their hand, so it wasn't, it wasn't like it was hidden. You know? So I read on. And they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. And he said to them, Lodge here tonight. Accommodation. Trouble is coming. You are accommodating the trouble because you feel that you are, you are able, you are well and able. Praise the Lord. You are able, you can, you can, you can deal with it. What is that? I've been a minister for 100 years, so um, it doesn't matter uh, how I ca- cancel them. Whether I cancel them in, a, in, a, in, a, in an enclosure or it, it doesn't matter. They cannot tempt me, I cannot fall. You know, so he lodged them. Hmm? And as he lodged them, let me read on. He says, And I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. You know, the Bible is so precise. They stayed with, it's not that they were just, they were just you know, some of these words are not, it's not like the Bible could have said, uh, in fact, he, could not, he may not have mentioned that at all. He would just say, he would just keep silence. So he told them, stay 
stay overnight. Let me hear from God. But he said, they stayed with Balaam. Only God knows what they were discussing as they were staying with him. How to bring the brethren down. That's what they were discussing. Is it true that he came and is born again? And say, yeah, yeah, so he's born again. Ah, how can he be born again? So, so, uh, so, uh, and you allowed it. And you allowed it. How can he be born again? You allowed it. So, he stayed with them. And you know what? Balaam said he was going to consult God. Isn't that so? We just read that. But did he do that? He didn't. The next verse says, Then God came to Balaam. So, Balaam was waiting. What was he waiting for again? He said he wanted to consult God. Other prophets I know, they will go and they will consult God. They will go and inquire from God. But Balaam waited. And God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? Introduce them. Who are they? People of God, who are these men with you? Young girl, who is this man with you? Father, who is this woman with you? And you have left your wife. God is asking you. You refuse to introduce that person. You think God doesn't know him or her. So he's asking you now to hear what you will say. Who are these men with you? God was asking Balaam. It was a direct question. So Balaam said to God, Balak the king of Moab has sent to me saying, Look, a people have come out of Egypt and they cover the face of the earth. Come now and curse them for me so I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. I want to read from verse 18. From verse 18 he says, Then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, You know, God told him not to go with them. So they left. And they came back again, Scripture says, with a more, a more high-powered delegation. They came again. Why did they come again? They came again because of the face he gave them. It's the face you give the person that will make the person come again. You see, there is a way a young girl will dress and the bad boys will not approach her. Whether on campus or anywhere. But if you allow them to first say, Sister, I want to be your boyfriend. Eh, you want to be my boyfriend? Eh? Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to. Please, I'm going for lecture, Jerry. Tomorrow, they will do what? They will come again. They will come again. So when they came again, in verse 18, he says, Then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God. To do less or more. Now, therefore, please, please, you also stay here tonight. Biko, 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 napona. And I know you have some things in your pocket. Please don't go. Stay here tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That I may know what more the Lord will say to me. What more? What more will the Lord say to you? Is it not in scriptures? What more do you want him to say to you? God is saying to you, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What more do you want him to say to you? He has said it before. And God said it again. So, look at it again. Verse 20. And God came again to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men come to you, if they come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, that you will do. If the men come to call you, if. In other words, it's possible that God had already worked in their hearts and they were not going to come again to disturb him. But see what happened. 
So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. They didn't come to call him home. But he woke up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with them. Hi. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So Balaam's way was perverse. It was not the laid down procedure. It was not the laid down um, 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 method by which a child of God behaves. His way was perverse. Praise the Lord. So what are these things? You know when they say doctrine of Balaam, a butter of revival. What is this doctrine? You know a doctrine is actually what you, what you learn, what you understand, what you observe about a particular, the way something is done. You know a doctrine, the way something is done, the procedure that somebody, a way that something is done. So if they say the doctrine of Jesus Christ, it means what is it that Jesus stands for in his entirety? So the doctrine of Balaam is what is it that Balaam stands for in his entirety? What does his life preach, whether by word or by action? What is it that he preaches? That is the doctrine of Balaam. And what is it? Number one is that just do anything. Get paid. God understands. Does that sound familiar, people of God? Just do anything. Get paid. God understands. After all, Nigeria is hard. Just do anything. The next one is that Balaam made himself available to the enemy. For what? For money. For material gain. He was for sale. You know, those days when we were in secondary school, sometimes, <laughs> some people, I, I, I didn't do it, they will write on a paper, for sale, and paste it behind somebody. The person that they pasted it behind will not even know that they pasted something behind him. He will be going, and when he is going, people will be, ah! he will just be running away from So he will be wondering, what is this that I have that people are running from? But this one is that Balaam was for sale, and he was proudly for sale. It was not hidden, it was not a secret. Just give me cash. I will betray the brother. I know where his weak points are. I will tell you. Praise the Lord. That also reminds us of Judas. You know, Judas was also from where? From within. Can we look at Luke 22? Luke 22, verses 4 to 6. Are you there? Luke 22, I read from verse 3. It says, Then Satan entered Judas. Has Satan entered you, people of God? Examine yourselves well. Me too, I will examine myself. Has Satan entered us? You know, it didn't stop there. It says, Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, so that you will not mistake him for another Judas in the Bible. He wants you to know that it is the person that is within, that he's talking about. He says, who was numbered among the twelve? So the description is perfect. It was Judas Iscariot. One of the disciples of Jesus. And he says, so he went his way. Hey. Many of us are now going our way. 
We have left the way of the master. So Judas went where? His way. He went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. Some versions will say they agreed with him that they will give him money. So it was not just that they were offering him money. It was an agreement. He proposed it. Or they proposed it, whichever way, but they discussed and they agreed that he will sell the master for money. 30 pieces of silver. Praise the Lord. So he promised and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. Praise the Lord. So Balaam taught Balak how to bring the people of God down. Because the, the man had tried before. It didn't work. So Balaam told him something. There's something that Balaam told him. Can we look at 2 Peter 2.15 again? 2 Peter 2.15. It says, They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam the son of Boah, who loved the wages of what? Of unrighteousness. He loved it. It's not that he just wanted it. He loved it. on and he caused the children of Israel to be, I mean, to commit idolatry. Idolatry. And sexual immorality. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How was he able to do this? He knew exactly the weakness of the brethren. He knew. He knew. So he knows the weakness of the brethren. Some of us, we know the weakness of our brethren. We know. And so because we know, we want to... The enemy is using us. You know, I said that we shouldn't just be looking at this as, as though Balaam, Balaam is somebody so far away. Some of us are exactly acting like Balaam. Praise the Lord. Revelations 2.14 Revelations 2.14 He says, I, know, I want to read from 13. I know where you live. There, where Satan has his throne. You are true to me, and you did not abandon your faith. Even during the time when Antipas, my faithful witness, was killed there. Okay, there where, there where Satan lives. 14. But there are a few things I have against you. There are some among you. I keep stressing it. It is among you. Who follow the teaching of Balaam. So, Balaam has come in the midst of the people and taught the people who have uh, <laughs> listened to him and he has convinced them. So, they are now following his way. They will say, well, once you are saved, you are saved. It doesn't matter how much more sin you commit. Never mind. Once you are saved, you are saved. Various doctrines, they are following the way of Balaam. But you will not know that they themselves, they are enjoying it. Maybe they have taken reward from the enemy. The reward may not necessarily be financial. Sometimes it is promotion in the office. We promote you. Do this to this man. We will promote you. Praise the Lord. And then he says, Some among you who follow the teaching of Balaam and taught Balak how to lead the people of Israel into sin 
by persuading them to eat food that had been offered to idols and to practice sexual immorality. In the same way, you have among you who follow the teaching of the Nicolaitans. 16 says, Now turn from your sins. If you don't, I will come to you soon and fight against those people with the sword that comes out of my mouth. Hallelujah. Another scripture I want us to look at is Jude verse 4. Jude verse 4. It says, For certain men, are you there? For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10 says, Yet these people slander whatever they do not understand. And the very things they do not understand by instinct, and the very things they do understand by instinct, as irrational animals do, will destroy them. You know, there are some things that, on the internet these days, there are a lot of things that are going on. People are really after the church of Christ. They look for a way to, you know, they, they know the scriptures. They will be quoting scripture as they are saying these things. They begin to condemn the things that people of God do. They begin to tell you, ah, you don't, why, what are they talking about? Tithes. The Bible says your tithe is not, why are you paying tithe? You don't have to pay, you don't have to do this, you don't have to do this. And many Christians are clapping for them. They are following after their doctrine. You know, but I usually tell people, I say, it is somebody who is looking for an excuse not to obey the Lord that, is, that will find such people um, um, ready helps to take their advice. It's somebody who is, because if you are not, if you have actually been obeying God and you've been reaping the benefit of it, nobody needs to preach to you to continue. This church, how many times say, tight card, this card, that card. But people are paying, in, in your presence, people are paying their tithes. Ines Obalam. Praise the Lord. There's a story that is told in 1 Kings chapter 13. It's the story of, I want to just summarize the story. It's about a prophet who came from Judah. He went to Bethel to proclaim God's word that what Jeroboam was doing was evil. And he was such a powerful prophet such that even when Jeroboam ordered his, his arrest he said, look, your hand, your hand will wither now. And it happened like that. But you know what happened? As this man was going home, God told him don't eat along the way. Don't even rest any. We just come back home. As he was going home, another prophet who was in that Bethel? Sometimes I wonder, what was that prophet in Bethel doing? That God would now go and invite another prophet from Judah to come and... It was because he was quiet. So as he was going, that prophet met him and said, Oh, you are, I heard you are a prophet. That He said, Yes, okay, this is very good. God said I should tell you, you should come and eat. The man said, No, God didn't tell me that too. I can't come and eat too. So he was a brother 
I can't come and eat. God didn't tell me that. He said, look, I am also a prophet. Even look at my great hair. I'm also a prophet like you. Follow me. God said you should come and eat. So what happened? This other prophet followed him. And you know what happened? As he was eating in his house, God spoke through. In fact, there are some things we are going to ask God when we get to heaven. Because these things, sometimes I don't understand them very well. You know, so immediately he was eating with the man. God spoke to him through the same man that lied to him. And said, thus says the Lord. Because you did not hear what God said, you did not obey God. You will not return to your place. You will die. And as he was going, a lion came out and devoured him. And you know, eventually that old prophet, the older prophet was down saying, Ah, this is a man of God. He's a real man of God. When I die, bury him near my own. But Obugia. People of God, we need to be exceptionally careful the things that we do. We need to be exceptionally careful. You know, Balaam also came to the people of Israel, I believe, towards the end, more towards the end of their journey than at the beginning. Because there are a lot of other things had come before that. Pharaoh had come, food had come, water had come. They had been tempted in so many ways. Sometimes they will fall, they will rise again. That is the way Balaam comes. You know, this year, if you divide this year into four, you will agree with me that we are towards the end. It is a time that we need to be so much on our guard. We are not just towards the end of the year. We are also towards the end of eternity. On this, on this side of eternity, praise the Lord, we must be watchful. He loved the wages of unrighteousness. We had said it before. He loved it so much. The wages, whether it was uh, idolatry, idolatry or he didn't mind. Fornication, he didn't mind. Financial gain, just give it to me. Do anything you want to do. He didn't mind. So he caused the people of God to sin. You know, all the wages of sin, the Bible says that the wages of sin is what? Death. So the wages, all the wages, whether it is in dollars or in naira or in, or in a promotion that you get wrongly, all the wages, plural, the wages of sin is what? Death. Whatever, the wages is one thing, it is death. And perhaps you are thinking that the death we are talking about here is that you will just close your eye and die. No, it is spiritual death. And you know why scripture calls it wages? You know, wages is what is paid per minute per minute, per second per second, weekly, weekly. It, it doesn't wait for a long time. So the payment is immediate. So you begin to die from the very day that you begin to render those ungodly services. You begin to receive your wages. It's not like salario. It doesn't wait. Praise the Lord. People of God, praise the Lord. Scripture says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus. Finally, he placed material things above God. You know, somehow, we've said this before, we're saying it again. He placed material things above God. Jude chapter one, Jude verse 11, of course, Jude is just one chapter. He says, Woe to them, they have taken the way of Cain, and they have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. 
They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. There's a story I want to share with us from Scripture before we pray. That story is found in Mark chapter 10. Can we just turn our Bibles to Mark chapter 10? Mark chapter 10. Are we there? It is a story about a rich young ruler. So I want to read from verse 17. From verse 17. It says, Now, as he was going out on the road, in fact, before then, let me just tell you that, before this particular story, Jesus had taught about adultery, had taught about marriage, and then had also prayed, blessed the children. So, you will understand where this man is coming from. He had taught about adultery. So, 17 says, Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running. This man came to Jesus. He was running. He was eager for revival. But there was something about him. Remember, he, he, he was coming. He was full of himself too. Despite the fact that scripture says that he came running and he was kneeling. He came and he knelt. He was also full of himself. How do I know? He says, he knelt before him and asked, good teacher. I mean, good teacher. In other words, some of the things that you are doing now, you know, we are on the same, on the same um, pedestal. Good teacher. Me, I haven't committed adultery. I don't commit adultery like you just talked about some minutes ago. I don't do this one. I don't do that one. So, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So, Jesus, knowing exactly where he's coming from, self-righteousness, said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. So, don't flatter me. I'm paraphrasing. Don't flatter me. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Jesus presented it to him first. Do not commit adultery. I mean, we have talked about it before. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. I have kept them from my youth. Then Jesus looking at him, Loved him. Ah, this is impressive. This CV is impressive. So he told him, he said, look. In other words, this man is, is actually near to, he's near to the end of his um, revival. He's near to being saved. He's, he's almost in eternal life. So he said, one thing you lack, just one thing. This man was not lacking two things. He was just lacking one thing. Just one thing. People of God, what is that one thing that you are lacking? Just one thing. And yet many of us are lacking ten things, five things. This man was just lacking one thing. So one more thing to go. He says, one thing you lack, go your way. Sell whatever you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and do what? And follow me. <laughs> and then verse 22 says, But he was sad at this word. How can you be sad at the word of the master? Is it because it is pricking your heart? It is touching you exactly at the point where you are failing. Eh? God is saying, Stop beating your wife. And you are saying, 
uh, you are feeling sad that he's telling you that. But not if you name Or God is saying, um, 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 love your husband. Love your husband. Submit to her, but because it is touching you, you become very sad at God's word. So this man was very sad. And he went away, what? Sorrowful. You know what sorrow means? It is deep-seated. He went away sorrowful. He wasn't just sad. He went away sorrowful. You know why? Scripture says, for he had great possessions. Ah. Just one thing. One thing. Almost there. He could almost touch it. But the doctrine of Balaam. Possessions. You know, those days when we were younger, we used to hear songs that encouraged, I mean, people about resources. He says, Oh, when can I say, My men were going with them, Jesus. Or they gave her Coram Moale. But we don't, now, if you sing that song, many people will not sing with you. They won't sing with you. Creating confusion. Negative confusion. Hey, they will say it is negative confession. They say it is negative confession. This man lacked one thing. But he went away sorrowful because he had great possession. How can the blessing that God gave to you, wealth, make you sorrowful? You know, now you begin to understand why Jesus will say that it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man. You begin to understand why. Hallelujah. You are all that matters. Oh, eh, oh, eh. You are all that matters. Oh, eh, oh, eh. You are all that matters. Oh, eh, oh, eh. Help me sing it. You are all that matters. that matters to you? Is he the only thing that really matters to you? Or is there something else that matters to you? One thing you think you, have, you, are, you are good in every other thing, but there is one thing, one thing that you lack. One thing, where an area where you are still failing. An area where Balaam has captivated you. An area where you yourself has become Balaam. Can you just reflect at this time as we begin to pray? You are all that matters. Oh, eh, oh, eh. You are all that matters. Oh, eh, oh, eh. You are all that matters. Oh, eh, oh, eh. You are all matters. Is Jesus the only thing that matters to you in this life? Do you care about the things of God? Or is there something else that is an idol to you? Have you followed the way of Balaam? Wallowing in the sin of unrighteousness. Resources, ego, 
Modu. Ono. Material things. Or perhaps you have not even made Jesus your Lord and Savior. And so for you, he is not all that matters. Many more things matter to you. Today is an opportunity. And so if you want to give your life to Jesus at this time, to declare to him that he is the only one that matters to you, I'd like to pray with you. Today is another day. You don't need to go back sorrowful. You don't need to go back sad. You are almost there. Jesus is almost coming. Can you just raise your hand and we will pray with you? You want to give your life to Jesus. Oh, the one thing that matters to you. The one thing that matters to you. Can we just see your hand? You are all that matters. You are all that matters. Oh, Elohim. You are all that matters. Oh, Elohim. You are all that matters. So is there a hand being raised? Somebody who wants to give his life to Jesus. Is there any hand? Any hand? Any hand? Any hand? Jesus is asking. Anyone? Don't go away sorrowful. Come to me. All you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Any hand? Any hand? No hand. In the name of Jesus. Our Father and our God, we are grateful to you. We thank you for your mercies upon us. We thank you for all the gifts that you have given unto us. We thank you because you have spoken unto us this morning. Oh Lord, thank you for reminding us that we need to be watchful. Watchful of the challenges from outside. Watchful of the challenges from within. Thank you because you have reminded us that if we are not careful, we ourselves are the Balaam. Are the Balaam that will bring stumbling block even to the brethren. Father, help us. Help us, O Lord, that the one thing that will matter to us shall be you alone, Jesus. Thank you, Jehovah God, because we know you have helped us. And you will yet help us to the glory and honor of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.